12.04 and another uh, charming Sunday afternoon, my friend. The weather is good. No snow, so I'm, uh, I'm big on that one. No, no snow really right cool. now, John. A couple ways to contact Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You got insuranceandinjurylaw.com and help, H-E-L-P, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Good email. And, of course, your number anytime, 416-216-5910. We always start the show with uh, the week that was. How was it? Well, it was a very, very busy week, uh, John. Let me tell you about a few cases mm-hmm. that we had, uh, which uh, I think our listeners uh, would be interested in, in hearing about uh, because they may be in that same situation. Yep. Uh, so the first one involves uh, a gentleman. His name is Jason, and he was in a car accident on October 3rd of this year. He wasn't at fault. Now, Jason is 45 years old. Uh, he's an engineer, uh, and his job entails uh, a semi-physical uh, type of, of duties. Uh, he, he's... Um, as a result of the accident, he has back pains and neck pains. He's going to rehab. He's getting treatments. And uh, he, he's currently working on modified duties. So his employer is accommodating him. Yeah. Uh, he got a letter from his insurance company uh, just shortly after he told them about the accident. Uh, and once they received a disability certificate, telling him that he's been classified as a MIG, M-I-G. Now, for anyone who's listening who has received that kind of a letter... You're a fighter plane. <laughs> yeah, well, That's all yes. We know. <laughs> yeah, let's... let's yeah, right, right. No, you're not a fighter plane. Uh, you are... You are uh, you've basically been pigeonholed into a category uh, that uh, says that as a result of being in that category, uh, the amount of money that you have from the insurance company for your treatments is extremely limited. And so his question to me was, first of all, what is this MIG thing? Uh, and number two, do I have a claim? Can I, can I recover right. uh, for, for compensation uh, as against the person that caused the accident, their insurance company? And here's the answer. So what is this MIG? Well, MIG is a concept uh, that came into play in September 2010 when the government of Ontario changed the legislation on how they categorize people who are injured uh, in in car accidents. And effectively what they've done is they said that unless uh, you have a serious, a very serious injury, like a a fracture, uh, a break of a bone, a a complete tear, uh, for example, of your shoulder, you are going to be placed in that MIG category. And what that means is that you are entitled to up to $3,500 in treatments. Now, imagine that, John. Imagine you have a partial tear of your shoulder. You need rehab. You need to have, get, get chiropractic care, massage, physiotherapy, whatever, and you only have $3,500 in treatments. It's not much. No, you'll lead through that pretty quickly. Very, yep. very quickly. In fact, many people do go through that very, very quickly. And, you know, there are some exceptions to this. So sometimes we try to see if we can get the person out of this MIG category, and that takes some ingenuity. Uh, It takes a lot of hard work and a lot of arguing with the insurance company. So this is a tool that insurance companies have to be able to pay less, okay? And again, the idea is that they wanted to uh, sort of delineate the very serious injuries from the less non-serious, sorry, from from the non-serious injuries in quotes. Uh, So, you know, what I told Jason is this. We can definitely help you with your case. Uh, you know, in a situation where you feel like your treatments are not sufficient, that the $3,500 uh, will be exhausted and you need more, sure. we can talk with your clinic. We can see if we can get them to continue uh, helping you. And in the event that there is a claim against the driver who was at fault, so we can access their insurance, we may be able to have that other insurance company pay for future treatment treatments for you. Right. So, so you know, in Jason's situation, again, keep in mind, he's working on modified duties. We have no idea when he's going to be able to go back to his full capacity. We don't know if that's going to translate into loss of earnings now and in the future. Uh, he's 45 years old. 
So, I mean, you're talking about someone who could potentially be impacted for, you know, the next 20 years of his working life. And that's going to affect his family. So these are all considerations that are very, very important to look at and and to to talk about. And when someone contacts an insurance and injury lawyer, that lawyer has to go through absolutely everything, ask all the right questions and make sure that they present the individual with all the options. How often does this MIG factor come into into play? All All the the time. time All the time. We see it all the time. And a lot of times we see insurance companies play someone in the MIG when they should not be in the MIG. Uh, One of the exceptions, for example, uh, that a person should be able to be taken outside of that MIG. In other words, you know, being taken into a category where they have a lot more money that they can use, up to $50,000 in treatments, not $3,500, but $50,000. Uh, you know, one of those exceptions is that if you had a pre-existing medical condition, mm-hmm. we've heard that term a lot, and as a result of that condition, uh, with the treatments that you're getting, you can't get back to the way you were before the accident, there is an argument that you are now outside of that MIG category. You, you are in, in a different class of people, a more vulnerable class mm-hmm. of people, and therefore you should have more money available to you from the insurance company. Okay to get you back on your feet. We'll talk a little more about the week that was uh, after a short break. You want to get in touch, it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Savan's number anytime outside of show hours, even 416-216-5910. You want to give us a call this afternoon. We'd love to hear you, uh, from you with any questions. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The Insurance and Injury Law Show continue. Talk radio, AM640. Indeed, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have uh, insurance, injury law, questions, car accidents. It's going to be that time of year when the roads are getting uh, Really slippery. You want a, an email question? Your little bashful help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And obviously, outside of show hours, Savan's number anytime, 416 216 5910. Write it down. Yeah, use that sucker. Uh, back into more of the cases of the week that was. Right. Okay. So, John, so this is an interesting case, and we talked about this before. This has to do with what happens when. Uh, you or someone you know in, in your family, friends, uh, they have an accident, yep. let's say a slip and fall, and then you get that call from the adjuster who says that they want to come to your house uh, or meet you somewhere to take a statement. Have a wee chat. Uh, just a bit, yeah, just a small chat. So this lady, her name is Mary, she called me because her mother slipped and fell at a mall up in Aurelia last week. Uh, she fell at the entrance, it was wet, I guess it was raining that day, mm-hmm. but there were no caution signs that were up, and there was also no mattress uh, at the front there. Uh, so, of course, she didn't see uh, the, the, the wetness, and she fell, and she broke her hip. Very, very serious injury. She's 73 years old. Ah. So you can imagine what her life is going to be like now. I mean, I've seen those kinds of cases before. Very tragic. They need a lot of care down the road. Uh, I've had situations where even after surgery, they've had complications. For and sure. It's just, it's, it's not a good situation to be in. And in fact, she's still at the hospital now, uh, you know, over uh, a week later. Uh, so she got a call from the adjuster um, for the insurance company representing the mall, uh, wanting to come by and take a statement. And she heard me say uh, on this show before, don't give statements like that, especially when you don't have any representation. Got it. Brilliant. Because any word, any, anything you say can and will be used against you, right? Because you don't know the language. You don't, you know, don't the know the language, language right? right. And yeah. you have no idea. And you're telling the truth. You're trying to yep. explain exactly what happened, but you don't know how that's going to be construed. Uh, so she called me, and I explained to her exactly what I'm telling people now. Do not give this kind of statements. And certainly, if you have done that, hopefully you didn't sign that statement, because they're always going to ask you to sign them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, this this lady's mother has a very, very significant claim against the store. I mean, I've spoken to her in detail. I've gotten all the details. There is no question that the insurance company representing the mall is going to be on the hook here, okay. and it's going to be for a lot of money. And it's going to be for a lot of money, not only for the pain and suffering that this lady is now going to have to uh, uh, endure for the rest of her life, 
but for the various care, for the housekeeping she's going to have to uh, need, uh, you know, in, in the future. And, and, you know, what about the kids? Usually in these kind of situations, you have adult kids or grandkids. And you can claim them, You right? can claim them, right? exactly. Under the Family Law Act, Section 61 allows family members, certain family members, to be claiming, uh, to, to be able to claim for various housekeeping, uh, you know, benef- not benefits, but, you know, when they do things for you around the home, for taking care of you. It's like they're an for employee. Drug, it's exactly that, right? exactly. And they are allowed, the law has recognize that. So it's very, very important that if you're in that situation, you get legal advice immediately. You don't have to go to a lawyer. You don't have, I mean, sorry, you don't have to retain a lawyer. You don't have to retain a paralegal, but understand your options. Make sure you go to someone who can explain those to you so that at the very least, you know how to deal with the insurance company or have that legal representative deal with the insurance company for you to make sure that absolutely nothing is missed. Is there a general dollar amount? Like, for instance, if I was, you know, I was in that situation, that was my mom also. Now she's basically, quote unquote, hiring me to help take care of her. Is there a dollar amount or a percentage? How is that based? You're talking about the... Um, the family, uh, the family. For the family. Yeah. Well, you know, we've had cases to talk about that where judges have tried to, uh, you know, have grappled with that question. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the general feel or the general sense uh, in the legal community is that... It's it's what's reasonable. Look, if you are going to your mom's home and you are now providing care three hours a day, what would it cost to have someone come to your mom's home and do the same a thing? Third party a third it, party, right? exactly. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, in some of the cases that we have in the office, we oftentimes hire experts, and that's what they do. They will go to the client's home, they will read all the medical reports, interview the family members, get a good feel of what that person needs at home uh, in terms of care, housekeeping, shopping, anything like that. And then they provide a comprehensive report. Here are the services. Here's the market value. We then give that to an accountant, a forensic accountant, who then crunches the numbers. And then we present that to the other side. No kidding. And that's very important. And you know, John, a lot of times when I used to do a lot of defense work, I would get claims. I would defend claims. And I would see lawyers uh, on the other side representing injured people not doing that. And so without having those experts on hand, without having those reports... It's all due diligence, right? Exactly. How can you prove you know, what, what the quantum is, what the amount is? So that's exactly uh, you know, what, what we do in these kinds of cases. Very, very important. Let me tell you about a third case. This, yeah. is, a, um, this is a disability case, long-term disability. This gentleman's name uh, is uh, Jerry, and he called me actually this past Thursday. He listened to the show for the past month, and Good his man. wife told him to call me. Uh, and he's been on disability, long-term disability, for three years. Guess what? His insurance company now, after three years, is insisting that he try to go back to work. Now, he can't. He's got a spine condition that he doesn't allow him to stand or sit for more than about 10 minutes at a time. And that's backed up by medical records. He's got several specialists. They actually put that in writing to the insurance company. He's 49 years old, used to work as an accountant at a large downtown accounting firm. And he wanted to know uh, if he actually needs to go back to or try to go back to work, continue trying to go back to work. Uh, be- before he heard the show, uh, you know, this, this has been ongoing for a few months now. He actually tried twice to go back to work. Because he's panicking. He's because right, he's I have panicking. to try this. Exactly. Right? Right. I mean, you know, you're told by the adjuster, if you don't do it, you're going to be non-compliant. Exactly. There's going to be an issue there. So he tried twice, wasn't able to do it. The employer has verified that. So his question to me is, you know, how many times do I have to keep trying to go back? They keep badgering me, yeah. uh, which, which unfortunately we see a lot in these kinds of situations. And I said to him, you don't. It's that simple. You don't. As soon as your doctors have uh, uh, told the insurance company in writing, through reports, notes, whatever, they, that you're not fit to go back to work, that you are totally disabled, they have absolutely no right to force you to go back. And, you know, he was absolutely astounding because he, when he's talking to the adjuster, the adjuster's telling him, no, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And he's getting letters to that effect and emails. 
So, you know, again, it's one of those cases where, unfortunately, the way the system is, is built, the way that in this whole situation is, is, is structured is that insurance companies will try to get you off disability. Of course they will. And, and sometimes to your own detriment. And you have to stand your ground, especially when you have medical support, especially when you have, uh, you know, your doctors backing you then up. Then it's all in your favor. It, it's all, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and here's the thing. It's easy to resolve these things. Yes. I mean, when someone, when J- I told you, I said to Jerry, listen, I, I, let me deal with the insurance company. One letter from me, they're going to leave you alone. Love it. It's it's not it's not difficult, but you know people don't know that, don't and know. this is why this is why we're we're talking about this stuff. And you want to give us a call? You have questions? Uh, feel free to uh, to offer them up. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell is the number. Savan's number on his hip is four one six two one six fifty nine ten. You'll want to keep that around and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show and talk radio AM six forty. And you can call Savan anytime. His own personal number twenty four seven. Well, you like to sleep a bit once in a while, but four one six two one six fifty nine ten and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. As always, we take our phone callers' top priority. Uh, Liz in Mississauga. Hello, Liz. Go ahead. You got a question for Savan? Yes. Hi, Savan. Hi, Liz. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, I had a question which I'm told is sort of a very unusual situation, and I wanted to get your take on this. Absolutely. Um, so this is in the context of a, of, of a legal action. Um, I'm a plaintiff. I was hit as a pedestrian um, at work, actually. And injured, I actually uh, broke my back. By the way, they kept it in the MIG, which isn't part of the question, but just <laughs> to, to I'm add. not surprised, unfortunately. Yeah, anyway, um, so the context of the legal action, um, I was approved for CPT disability, mm-hmm. um, which I'm told, unless you have a good case, the government isn't going to approve that. True. I was approved for LTD. It's at the four-year mark. We're still paying. Um, because this is Mississauga um, and the action is in Brampton, you don't actually have to, if I as a plaintiff do not want a mediation, I don't have to have one, which makes no sense to me. But um, I wanted one, and uh, the auto the uh, legal counsel refused unless I dragged my LTD provider to the mediation. They're not part of the action, they're paying. Right. But they didn't ask for CPP to be dragged in. So um, I want your take on that. In that situation, and also the next step is a pre-trial conference. How will the pre-trial conference judge view this situation? Okay, so let me. You've raised a lot of issues, and let me tell you the first red flag that I see uh, is that the uh, the law the, the claim itself was not brought in Toronto. And you know, when we do these kinds of claims, our focus is always to resolve these kinds of claims as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And the reason why we bring them in Toronto and not in Brampton or other jurisdictions is because Toronto has mandatory mediation. Yeah. And, and the fact is that most of these kinds of claims, whether they're long-term disability, car accidents, slip and falls, most of them resolve at mediation. In fact, many parties, many, many lawyers, you know, a lot of times will uh, posture ahead of mediation, but when it comes down to talking business and to having all the clients there, including the insurance companies, everyone wants to get the claims settled and resolved. It's too expensive for insurance companies to litigate these things. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the LTD, yes, the defense lawyer for the uh, for the car accident definitely wants the long-term disability insurer there because they're going to take the position <clears throat> that you're going to be entitled to future benefits, right. inco- income benefits, disability benefits, and they want to they want to have a deduction for that. Well, here's the here's the, here's the thing, Savant. Um, I'm not looking to be double indemnified. We've right. communicated to them that they should take all the deductions they're entitled to. We're not looking to 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 pull a scheme or anything. They're entitled to that, as is the AB, which is also, interestingly, my 
insurer, because my insurer right. and my employer, uh, my employer uh, treated, I tried four times to return, by the way, uh, over a, almost a two-year period. Mm-hmm. And my employer supported that this was a legitimate disability. and But my insurance company, who's also my employer, refused and dragged their feet and put me in the MIG and all that. So it's, it's in litigation, and I waited I waited till the last two weeks before it expired because it was a co-worker who, who hit me from behind and broke my back and so on and so forth. So, um, yes, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to – we're not trying to not allow them to take their deductions. That's, mm-hmm. that's completely permittable. And also because I live in Mississauga, the defense lives in Mississauga, and this mm-hmm. took place in Mississauga – we went to the Brampton court as a jurisdiction. Okay. Right. Okay, Liz, let let me tell you this. Let me just, in a nutshell, tell you what I think needs to be done. First of all, your lawyer has to invite the long-term disability insurer to the table. Now, because the LTD insurer did not cut you off yet, you actually have no cause of action against them. You can't bring them into the lawsuit itself. Uh, but, But in many instances, and I've had a lot of clients in those situations, I will invite every party, including long-term disability, your accident benefits insurance company, which is your insurer, I will invite all the parties to come to the table. And you know, in many, many times, John, they will say yes. And they will say yes for a very simple reason. They are interested in bringing this to resolution. Just wrapping it up. They want to wrap it up, absolutely. Now, Liz, in your situation, yes, there's no mediation. We just talked about that. Go to pretrial. Pretrial is almost is like a mediation, except that it's with a judge. And if you get the right judge, and of course you can't select the judge, yeah. but if you get the right judge, that judge will be able to, uh, you know, I would say twist arms. The, the judges in, at pretrials, their mandate is to try and bring these these types of claims to a resolution. So you definitely need to do that. Now, the defense lawyer or the the uh, insurance company for the car accident, they can't say they can say we don't want to go to a mediation, but they cannot say they we don't want to go to a pretrial. So they're going to have to go. So, you know, I, I don't know your specific facts. I, I'm, I would be happy to talk to you off air. Uh, you know, please give me a call, uh, you know, today, tomorrow, and then we can have a chat about it. And then, uh, you know, I, I could potentially give you some more advice. But your claim should be, you should be able to resolve it at the pretrial stage. Liz, that number, uh, 416-216-5910. Just before we uh, cut off here for a break, I want to get into a, a recent case about a long-term disability from the Ontario Court of Appeal, right? Yes, we have a very interesting case, and uh, you know, occasionally when these cross my desk, I'm going to bring them up to people's attention. This okay. is a disability case, a long-term disability case that came out from the Ontario Court of Appeal in 2014. It's called Fernandez and Pencorp Life Insurance Company. And I'll tell you a little bit about the facts here because they're very interesting. This is a gentleman who was 40 years old at the time that he was injured. Yep. He's in the uh, bricklaying business. He was in long-term disability. The insurance company's own doctors said that he was totally disabled. So these are not the actual... Not his doctors. doctors. Yeah, it's the insurance company's doctors. But the insurance company, regardless of that, decided to go and, and do some surveillance. You know, and, and they were able to show that he was able to do some light work for short, for short periods of time. Not, nothing special. You know, not, 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 he's not, uh, you know, it's not swinging a hammer, building houses. Not. Exactly. But despite the fact that their own doctors said that he was totally disabled, they decided to cut him off. <laughs> So he started a claim, and his lawyer, uh, and, and, and I, I, know, I know the law firm here, uh, they're very good. Uh, they went all the way to trial on that case. Wow. And the trial judge not only found against the insurance company, in other words, they, they found for this injured individual, but they actually dinged the insurance company with punitive damages and mental distress damages. And, and it, they, they awarded 
fairly high amounts. It was appealed to the Court of Appeal of Ontario, of and the Court of Appeal of Ontario reviewed the entire case and said, you insurance company acted badly. You acted so badly that even though we don't necessarily agree with the amounts that the trial judge has awarded, we certainly think that you should be uh, uh, paying, paying punitive up. damages and, and, and something for the fact that you've caused this, in, caused this, in this individual so much mental dis- distress. Wow. We'll get into some car accident stuff here. We want to give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Again, Savannah's number, 416-216-5910. Keep that in your pocket like Liz will. And, of course, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the show coming up, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. You were injured, and it's not your fault. It's someone else's fault. That person is going to have insurance. And if there is a shortfall, particularly if there is a shortfall in the future, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times we don't know what's going to happen to a person, uh, you know, two years down the road, three years down the road. But there is a concern that they're not going to get 100% better. Then you can make a claim for those future types of losses as against the other person's insurance company. Okay. And it's important to start those kinds of claims very quickly. So some of the other benefits, you also have a... Uh, uh, a a, a, a uh, uh, dependent care benefit, sorry, not dependent care, uh, caregiver benefit, uh, which is up to $250 per week for the first dependent. And again, because, you know, y- you were taking care of people in for your sure. home, a child, uh, and you're going to get $50 for each additional dependent. Okay. Uh, those, that kind of a benefit. You bet. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sales number to call. We always bounce over the phones. As our uh, top priority, got Alan in Toronto. Hello, Alan. How are you? Hi, I just wanted to, uh, at a pretrial, basically, um, it, it, that's when something doesn't work out with the mediation, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so at the pretrial, uh, does the judge generally uh, try to uh, go with uh, the plaintiff or defendant? Like, let's say something was offered at a, at a mediation. Um, if you go to pretrial, is all that gone now and in, in and it starts from scratch again, or uh, can the can whatever was offered be taken right back? And they don't have neither side has to agree with their pretrial judge, and it goes to trial. What is it exactly? Okay, Alan, this is a good question. Uh, so, I'm is there just, any influence? Yeah, on the part uh, of the uh, judge, right? Right. So, for, first of all, everything that happens at a mediation, at a pretrial, it's is, is confidential. So, for example, if you had a mediation and there were numbers discussed, but but no resolution was reached. You know, technically, when you go to a pretrial, you're not supposed to be using those same numbers. Oftentimes, the judge will actually want to know what the numbers were. But the idea is that both uh, situations, both instances are, are completely privileged. And, you know, as to where the judge will lean, it really depends on the facts of the case. I mean, the judge's job is really to try and resolve the case or help the parties resolve the case. The pretrial judge will not make a decision on the spot. And the pretrial judge will not be the trial judge. Okay. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, in most instances, if if your lawyer is advancing your case correctly, first of all, you're not going to be at a pretrial. You're going to resolve the claim very early on, uh, either either at the initial stages of the claim or at the mediation stage, uh, which is why, again, mediation is so effective because it gives an opportunity for everyone to come together. If you do end up going to a pretrial, you want to make sure that whatever position uh, you are advancing, the lawyer is advancing for, for the individual, uh, is a reasonable position. You want to make sure that you're not shooting for the stars. You're not coming in there with demands that have absolutely no foundation, no basis in facts. And a lot of times, 
when a lawyer does that, I, I can tell you just from experience as a defense lawyer, if I have a plaintiff lawyer coming to me with, with demands that are just in the sky, I, I lose respect for that lawyer. And frankly, I, I, my assessment of the case goes down because it tells me that the other lawyer hasn't done their due diligence, mm-hmm. doesn't know what he or she is talking about, and should really go back to the drawing board. So, Alan, just to answer your question, it really depends on the situation. You should be really having this conversation with your lawyer. Uh, You should be comfortable enough to speak with your lawyer, to ask your lawyer all of these kinds of questions. And certainly before the pretrial or the mediation happens, you should be uh, speaking with them and understanding exactly what's going to happen. Very, very important. uh, Do the insurance companies or the parties on that side prefer the mediation because they can think, can things get exponentially more expensive if it ends up in trial and pretrial? Is that why? They Absolutely. Just clear the books. Like 100%. The books. And you know, let me make another comment, John. I hear a lot of commercials on the radio, on TV, uh, from very good lawyers, by the way, who are talking about that. You know, they say if you're injured, you need a good trial lawyer, you need somebody who has a lot of trial experience. I'm not saying that that's not true, but, you know, if I have let's a Let's not simple, get that far. Let's not get that far, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, if I'm going to the doctor, I don't want to go to surgery immediately. Yeah. That's a last resort. I right. want a doctor that's going to explore all the options. And, you know, there is a saying uh, in law that says that if the lawyer is really preparing the case well, preparing it for trial, it will never get to trial. Cool. Okay, you're going to resolve these types of claims early on. And why? Because we as lawyers who practice in this field on a daily basis, we've seen almost everything. And so when your, came, when, when, when your case comes in the door, oftentimes, if I'm speaking with the other lawyer, you know, we're going we're to have an idea of what the ranges are, especially once we start getting the various medical documents, you know, once everyone is, is contacted, all the parties are in the room, we're, we're going to know what we can resolve the case for. And, and, and you know, it just comes down to negotiation and, and trying to not get to the trial point. Mm-hmm. If you have to, you have to. But, you know, you, tr- you try not to put people through that process. It's a very, very expensive process. You talked in the last segment about uh, making a claim for pain and suffering if the injury is mostly psychological. Is there a difference, I guess, it's, it's case by case, but dollar amount or difficulty claiming those if it's psychological? Well, we do have a case from, uh, from quite a few years ago. It's, uh, it was nicknamed the flying in, in, in the bottle uh, case. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. It was an individual who uh, became really psychologically distraught and disabled when he saw a fly uh, in an unopened Culligan water bottle. And, you know, the trial judge in that case awarded the insane amount of damages, and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada. I can see why. Yeah, and the Supreme Court of Canada said, look, we will recognize psychological and psychiatric injuries, but they can't be just simple annoyances. It can be that because you were angry for a few days or because you're just feeling down for a few weeks, then you can claim for that. That's not going to do it. But if you can show that as a result of whatever injury that happened to you, you are really in a bad state. I mean, you have a psychologist or a therapist, psychiatrist, you're getting ongoing treatments. And, and those are legitimate, legitimate uh, situations where somebody is simply disabled just psychologically, not physically, but it just has the same impact from doing anything, whether it's work, whether it's doing housework, socializing, etc. So in terms of the amounts of damages, they can be anywhere from the tens of thousands of dollars for the, for the pain and suffering mm-hmm. component of the claim, all the way up to you know $100,000 or even more. Again, depending on how disabled the individual has now become as a result of that psychological injury. Will that person get that, that, that two-year phone call if it's a psychological uh 
payment. Well, they get that two-year phone call saying, hey, you should probably be over this by now from the insurance company because they, they get that with the physical stuff, right? Well, in, in a case, for example, of a car accident, a lot of times these kinds of psychological injuries will not manifest until, uh, you know, a, a, a while after. Right. So, you know, at the beginning for most people, they have the back pain, the neck pains, soft tissue injuries as we see them. The problem is that medically, a lot of times these translate uh, subsequently into chronic pain injuries, and those have a psychological component. Right. right? right. So you're not going to get that two-year call, but you only have two years from the date of the accident to start a claim. Gotcha. So you have to really recognize that there, that there is an issue and, and seek the right legal help. 416-216-5910 is Savannah's number. You want to call the show in um, the next 10 minutes, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more of the show coming up. We'll get into a little slip and fall stuff right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show and Talk Radio, AM640. Get into a little uh, slip and fall action before our last few uh, moments of the show here. First, we always go to the uh, the phone calls. Got uh, Michael and Mississauga. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Got hi, a Michael. question for Savan. Go ahead. Okay, hi, Sven. Um, my question is with regards to CPP disability. And, uh, you know, you, I've often heard that uh, you know, nobody ever gets approved for CPP disability. It's very hard. Uh, would you be able to offer any tips or advice on how to... Uh, increase the odds that your uh, CPP disability application will be approved? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, John, we, we often see CPP disability types of claims and applications in the context of long-term disability when the LTD insurer asks the individual or tells the individual that under the policy they have an obligation to apply for CPP. Uh, and so a lot of times we help people with that process. And, and Michael, the way that you really maximize the odds is you make sure that you go to every doctor that's been treating you uh, and you make sure you get in-depth, in detailed reports from them as to why it is that you are disabled, the extent of the disability, what does it prevent you from doing, really as much as you can. And, you know, different doctors will react in different ways mm -hmm. because some of them, you know, will take the time to write that for you and some of them will brush you off, unfortunately. But the way to maximize it is that to make sure that you have all of the medical support, the opinions that you need to really give a comprehensive overview of your disability. As soon as you give that to CPP, they're going to have to take note of it. Now, keep in mind, even if you get denied, there is an appeal that you can do. So it's very, very important that you, uh, you know, make sure that, that you do, in fact, appeal. And if you appeal, uh, th then, again, you have another chance at, at getting it. Uh, the... the um, the difficulty with CP disability is that a lot of people try to apply for it, and, and a lot of them do so because they're just told by family and friends to do it, but they don't really qualify. So CPP really gets a ton of these kinds of applications on a daily basis, and they simply have to deal with them somehow. So they really only look at the serious ones really, really carefully, and the serious ones are the ones that have all these, you know, these... The ones that should be applied. Exactly, and the ones right. that have these reports that are really comprehensive. We're talking about uh, slip and falls. Again, it's going to be this time of year where the stuff really comes into uh, in focus very shortly. Uh, what slip and fall cases do you typically see at your office? Uh, typically, I see people who have uh, slipped and fell uh, in stores uh, as a result of messy floors uh, or wetness, you know, especially if it's, if it's after uh, a, a rainy day. Uh, you know, we see slip and falls on ice, of course, in the winter and this season. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more. People need to know that there are certain limitation periods that they need to, uh, you know, advise, uh, notify the right entities, the right uh, occupiers of those premises where they fell. Uh, so for the city, we talked about that before, you know, you have 10, 10 days, day, right? you got, you got yeah. 10 days, you have to notify the city clerk in writing of what happened and where it happened. You have to make sure you get that out. Uh, you know, and other places really, places like malls, uh, places like parking lots, you see that a lot. And you see that because we live in Canada. 
And, you know, the fact that you fell somewhere and you got injured doesn't automatically mean that the other, the other party or whoever is occupying that location is at fault. Okay. But certainly the fact that you were injured uh, gives rise to the question of did they do everything they could to make sure that you and other people like yourself are protected? And we see a lot in stores, for example, where there is wetness. But it takes, you know, the store employees half an hour, an hour to put signs up, caution signs. Yellow things. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, as soon as that happens, you have to make sure that, you know, you get somebody on your side, call us, you know, we'll we'll, we'll ask you a series of questions. And, you know, if, if in fact we can help you, we will. If we can't, then you'll know that too. At the very least, you would have explored your options. If you're at the point where you need treatment, who generally pays for it? So, so that depends. Right. If, if, if you're not in a car accident, if you've slipped and fell, then you don't have an insurance company right now that's going to foot the bill. Uh, so, you know, there are clinics out there. They provide OHIP uh, coverage. Uh, and, 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 you know, they, if you go to them for physiotherapy or, or any of those kinds of, of uh, services, OHIP will pay for them. Unfortunately, those are few and far between. A lot of people will have benefits through work, and you can access those benefits, those health benefits. And, you know, what I tell people, if they are really in a situation where they've been injured, there's absolutely no one to pay, oftentimes there are clinics who, you know, they work together with law, with lawyers, especially, especially when, you know, the clinic has a, a good reputation, you know, they're, they're known in the industry and, and the lawyers or the law firm mm-hmm. also, you know, they've worked them together. Something can be done, a discussion can be made so that, you know, the individual gets these kinds of treatments and then th- their fees are recovered down the road as against uh, the entity or the occupier of the premises where the person fell. Before we wrap it here another minute or so, uh, quickly, what should people do if they've slipped and fallen and were injured? Because it's going to happen. It's well, coming. Obviously, you should get medical help immediately, mm-hmm. but you should call a lawyer. You should call a lawyer that specializes in this area. Uh, you make sure that you get you, you, you get all your questions answered. You can go to Google, but we all know that you can get uh, misinformation there. Give yeah. us a call. Give my team a call. You know, at, at, at the very least, you know, you're going to chat with us for a few minutes and get yeah. all the information you need to make a decision on how you want to proceed. Yeah, a lot of jerks on Google. Uh, you want to call directly, 416-216-5910. And outside of show hours, that is the number to call. You can email Savannah as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Uh, insurance and injury law.com is the website. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio AM 640.